It's not about what I say or what songs we sing. It is here to lift you up. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. You are holy. And Jesus, you deserve all praise. You gave up your life so that we can have life. You laid yours down so that ours can be raised up. You gave up your freedom so that we can have freedom. You became sin so that we could be removed from sin. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, have your way in this place today. Father, let this be like no other Sunday we have ever encountered before in our lives. We're not here to hear hear a sermon or, or sing songs. We are here to praise you. Jesus, to exalt you. To further your kingdom. To be known, for you to be known by us. Jesus, for you to reveal yourself to us in a new way. In a way that you never have before. Jesus, continue to allow us to be in this state of worship. You initiate it. Father, you stir our hearts. You stir the things inside of us and point us to you. Abba, Father, continue to keep us in this place right now. Where there's nothing else that matters right now but you. All the stuff that we brought in here, all the stuff that we faced this week, the stuff that we faced in the parking lots, the stuff that we faced in the foyers. Jesus, remove those things. Whatever it is that is clouding our minds right now, Jesus, remove it. You brought us here to make yourself known. Jesus, I pray that you do that very thing, that you change hearts in this place today. Father, right now, you change hearts right now. Father, starting with mine, starting with mine, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We ask that you have free reign. Father, like this is the, there's never been a Sunday before this one. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Y'all ready? What is the gospel? That it is. That it is, and to a lot of us, that may be the most elementary question we've ever heard in church. (laughs) What is the gospel? But you know, that's something I've been asking myself a whole lot here lately. Just what is the gospel? We talk about it every week. We preach about it. We sing about it. We read about it. But what is the gospel? If I was to ask you to stand up and explain it to me, 
what would you say? See, some of you have already answered that question in your mind. It is the good news, and that it is. It's great news, as a matter of fact. It's a set of teachings, right? It's, it's belief in Jesus. It's the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the gospel. But I'm here to tell you today that I think it is so much more than we give it credit for. I think it is so much deeper and so much more beautiful than we can ever possibly imagine. And the reason I say that is because if we really understood what the gospel was, or more importantly, what the gospel is, there wouldn't be an empty spot in this church here to praise the name of Jesus. And that's truth. There wouldn't be a building in this nation big enough to hold the people who would show up to praise the name of Jesus Christ if we understood what the gospel was and what the gospel is. A lot of us, the gospel ends at salvation. We say our amen. I've accepted Jesus. I'm good. I don't need none of this other stuff. I don't want to hear no more about it. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. And that's where the gospel ends for a lot of us. But I'm here to tell you today that there is so much more to it than that. You see, the gospel didn't save us from something. The gospel saved us to something. The gospel saved us to a lifetime of praising and worshiping our king who laid down his life for us, not to show up at church on Sundays. The gospel saved us to a life of freedom to not be held captive by this stuff that we all find ourselves in. And that's more than a Wednesday night service. The gospel has given us life, man, life that we can't even possibly imagine. The scripture says abundant life. Not come sit on your pew or your hands in the pew and wait for it to be over with so you can go eat. That is not what the gospel is about. That is not what Jesus died for. He died so we could have a treasure, something so much more valuable than anything we could ever possibly imagine. So we could possess it, so we could own it, so we could have it. So it would transform our lives and transform everything there is around us. I don't think we understand what the gospel is. And I'll be the first to admit I'm the chief of this. I'm saved. Praise God, I'm saved. But so many times I think the gospel is better for you than it is for me. It's powerful in your lives. It can transform you. It can heal you. It can do the things that it promises it can do for all of us, but it's for you. It ain't big enough for my stuff. It ain't big enough for the stuff I face. It ain't big enough for the hell that comes against me. But it is for you. But I'm here to tell you that through these thoughts that I've been having over these last few weeks, through these doubts, through these worries, through these anxieties, through these questions of what is the gospel, and is it as powerful as my life as it is in yours, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has shown me, yes, it is. And it's so much more than two hours a week. This is life. And if we understood that, imagine what it would look like. Imagine what it would look like if we knew the power of the gospel over our lives. Imagine what our church would look like. Imagine what our families would look like. Imagine what our schools would look like. Imagine how our walks outside these walls would look. Because inside these walls, everything's good. 
Imagine what it would look like out there to a dying world who needs to know the power of Jesus. Needs to know he is holy. Needs to know he is the name above all names. Needs to know he is the place where healing is found and peace is found. And and all these things that we talk about in church, imagine what it looked like out there if we truly believed this. Imagine the kingdom that would be furthered if we live these words that we preach so many times in here. Imagine what it would look like. I do have a, a verse that we're going to read. And it's a good one. Second Timothy chapter six, or First Timothy chapter six, excuse me. We're going to be in verse 20 and 21. So if you will turn your Bibles there and stand with me as we read it. And it says this, Paul writes, "O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter. And the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. And then he says, grace be with you. Let's pray. Jesus, I come to you now just asking you to open our eyes to your goodness and your love for us. Jesus, praying that you would do a work in our hearts today. That you would open and reveal yourself and reveal who you are to us, Father, in a new and a fresh way. Father, show us who we are in you. Father, help us to understand this treasure that we have been given. That is more than just a set of beliefs or a set of words. But, Father, that it is real and it is life-changing. Jesus, I pray for every heart in here, God, and I ask that you would wreck one. Father, that you would take one heart or a all of them, however many, Father, you desire, and that you would mess it up. Father, for your glory to be shown and your majesty to be revealed. Jesus, you are worthy of it all. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for dying for us so that we can have life. I love you, Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we know that this is, <clears throat> this is Paul writing his first letter to his young minister, protege, Timothy. Man, he loved Timothy. Paul loved Timothy and had a relationship with him like he had with no other. And, and we read through these, this first letter and also through the second letter just exactly what Paul was trying to point Timothy to. And he knew exactly who Timothy was. Paul knew the spirit that Timothy had received because Paul had received the very same spirit on the road to Damascus when it just messed him up. It took Paul from being a, a rotten sinner to a man of God. It changed his life completely. And he knew the power that lied in that. And he's trying to tell Timothy, hey, remember who you are. Remember what you have been given. Stand on that above all else. You see, Timothy had, a hot, had all, kinds of, all kinds of worldly things coming at him. He was a young minister there. And he had false teachings trying to infiltrate his church. It was called Gnosticism. A crazy word that said that God wasn't God, that he had these little gods that created everything and that, that sin didn't need to be addressed, that it was ignorance that really needed to be addressed. I'm not really sure how you address ignorance before you address sin, but whatever, that's what Gnostics say. He had this trying to come against his church, and you can understand that if this stuff was allowed to enter, 
these falses were allowed to enter into to our, to their minds at this time, how it would have messed them up. And somebody who was not as grounded as Timothy was would have fell into this trap. Paul saying, hey, this is who you are. You know the truth. You know the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and that's what you preach above all else. You don't cave to any of these outside pressures or, or pulls or anything that's coming against you or your ministry. You know who you are in Jesus. You know the doctrine. You know that Jesus and preaching Jesus is all that matters. Anything other than that is, is not even worth your time. Timothy also faced persecutions, man. He faced stonings. He was in prison. Trials and tribulations and temptations. And if he wasn't firm in who he was in the gospel, these things would have destroyed him. He's man. It would have destroyed him. History also tells us that in the year 97, Timothy was trying to stop a parade. There was a parade coming through the town worshiping this pagan god. People marching, worshiping this pagan god. Timothy steps out in the middle and starts preaching the gospel. You know what happens next. They didn't like it. They came against him. Even unto death, he's preaching the gospel. They stone him. They drag him through the streets, and that's how Timothy died, standing up for this gospel that he had been given, this good news, this life-changing love and grace and mercy and all these things that we talk about, his faith, everything he was, even unto death, was founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So do you think it was more than just a set of teachings that Timothy had his faith and his, everything he was based in? What was it exactly that Paul was telling him, you guard this? Above all else, at all costs, you stand up for this, this very thing. Three times in two letters, Paul told Timothy, you guard this. You guard this treasure that you have been given. While I was studying, as I said, I had to do a whole lot of asking questions for myself. And like I said, some of us may think these are very elementary questions. But while I was studying, I came across this definition of the gospel. And to many of us, the gospel is just a set of teachings or a set of beliefs or the first four books of the New Testament. But as I come across this and I started studying exactly what this was and, and, and how Scripture speaks of these six things don't worry, it's going to be quick. It's not going to be a three-day sermon over six points. But as I, as I looked at these things, the gospel came alive in me. What Jesus has given me really showed that it wasn't just a salvation thing, that it is a life-changing thing. Listen to this definition of the, what the gospel, and I pray that it is so much more to you now after we read this than it was before you came in, that it's more than just a set of beliefs, that the gospel, the first one is the gospel is a plan. The gospel is a plan. The gospel is an event. The gospel is, not was, is an achievement. The gospel is an offer. The gospel is an application. And the gospel is God. As I said, I don't think we understand the depths of just what the gospel is. So what does all this mean? What does these six definitions, what does that really mean to us? Well, the first one is the gospel is a plan, meaning that it didn't just happen one day. That God didn't wake up one morning, go over Jesus' bed, and it's like, all right, you got to get up, i got a plan. We're fixing to fix this whole sin deal. I didn't see this coming, this surprised me, but we got to fix it now because my people are no longer in a relationship with me because how evil they are, but you're going to fix it. He said, I think this is what we're going to do. I'm hoping this is going to work. 
We're going to try it, see what happens. If that don't work, we'll do something else. I'm going to make you a man and send you to earth. I'm going to strip away your royalty. I want you to be able to feel and, and understand all the things that they go through. So I'm going to send you as a man so you can endure all the trials and temptations and heartache and pain and all these things that they face so you'll know what they're going through. After that, I'm going to bring your follower against you. He's going to betray you. You're going to be arrested, tried, beaten, humiliated, put on a cross on your back, carried it 700 yards to be put on full display in front of everybody, stripped naked, beaten, bloodied, broken. I think this is what we're going to do. I think this will fix this sin. No. From eternity is when the plan began, meaning that it was always there. Jesus always knew what his lot was. He always knew what was going to happen. He didn't wake up surprised one morning when God said, all right, it's time for you to go. He knew what was going to happen. And he willfully followed the plan. There's always been a plan. It didn't just happen because of your sin. You have always been on the mind of God. This is the gospel. This is good news, folks. You've always been on his mind. So after the plan, there was an actual event that took place. Nobody argues this. Jesus died on a cross at the hands of the Romans. He died, and the Romans were very good at what they did. But see, this is where history and, and, and Christian following takes a little bit different path. History will tell you he died. Christians say he died for us. This is the event. The plan that led to the event. This is the good news. And it's just going to continually get better as we go through this. This is the stuff that Paul is saying, you guard this, Timothy, above all else. This is what you guard. You don't let anybody strip this away from you. This is what you guard. The event, Jesus died. Jesus died. That's good news. Because if Jesus didn't die, folks, we don't have life. If Jesus didn't die, we're eternally separated from our Father who had the plan for us beforehand. Jesus dying is good news because that led to Jesus living. And the achievement of victory over sin. Amen? Our sins. Our thoughts. Our actions. Our unfaithfulness. Our sins. Achievement. Righteousness completed. Sanctification started. Brought into a relationship with Jesus. Through an offer. You got a plan, you got an event, you got an achievement, and now you got an offer to all those who have been called by Jesus Christ to be in a relationship with the Father. Isn't that cool? The one who spoke us into existence. The one who tells the oceans, you stop right here. You don't go any farther than this, this point right here. The one who takes these mountains that we talk about and makes them tremble. I can't even imagine what that's about. Making the earth shake. I can't, I can't fathom that, but that's pretty big. An offer to be in a relationship with him, with our father, with our creator, with our God. God, this, this is the gospel. This is so much more than four books in the New Testament. This is the gospel. This is what Paul said. You guard this, Timothy. 
You guard this treasure that has been entrusted to you. This is what's important. An offer for us, unworthy, dirty sinners, to be made holy and blameless. Because of the achievement, because of the event, because of the plan. And all this done to bring us closer to God. To bring us closer to God. Not that we ever deserve to be. Not that we could ever earn that. But Jesus did all these things through his gospel to bring us closer to God. Colossians 1 says this. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. All of us have been in that place. That domain of darkness that held us down. Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness. And not only that, not only did he just rescue us, he transferred us into his kingdom. So much more than just a set of teachings. So much more than just a one-time salvation. This is the gospel. He transferred us into his kingdom. Dirty, rotten folks like you and me. Made holy and blameless. Sealed and transferred into his kingdom. So once again, what was the treasure? What was it? What was so valuable to Paul, to Peter, to Timothy, to all these heroes of Scripture that not only were they willing to live for it, but they were willing to die for it? It was Jesus. A name we throw around at our convenience. A gospel that we limit to just four books in the New Testament. It was Jesus. If you notice, I skipped the fifth element. I've skipped the application part because the gospel is not just an event, it's not just a plan, it's not just an achievement, it's not just an offer. After all those things, the gospel becomes an application. And this is where things maybe get a little crazy for us. Because I said, we believe the gospel is big enough for everybody else. We believe the gospel is powerful enough for everybody else. But when it comes to us, man, I don't know about all this application of the gospel stuff. You see, the gospel saved us to something, to more. And that is to be the people that Jesus has died for us to be. Not to come to church a couple times a week and then go out and look like everybody else. Not to continually fall back into the captivity that we have been freed from. Not to use his name in vain and wave the flag of Christianity around when it's convenient for us. That's not why Jesus died. Jesus died so that we could be the people that he has called us to be. Every moment of every day in our lives. Are you going to succeed all the time? No, but at least try. At least try. We have been saved to more. And I believe wholeheartedly that the gospel and its power in our lives is just as sufficient for us, for me, for you, as it is for the one sitting next to you. It's not limited. Paul and Timothy and Peter, they didn't receive some special power that allowed them to do what they did. They chose to do what they did. They applied what they knew to be truth and what they believed in with everything they were. They applied that to their life. Even unto death, they're preaching the gospel of Jesus because they believed it. 
They believed it. As I said earlier, these last few weeks, man, have really been tough on me and my family for a lot of different reasons. And one of the main reasons it's been so tough is because I forgot and I lost sight of what the gospel was in my life. What Jesus is in my life. And I allowed things to enter into my mind that were not of Christ. You see, I got, a, I got an issue I need to tell you guys about. I suffer from the gap theory. And I, I suffer big time from it. Probably don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But the gap from my heart to my head is 18 inches of dead space where the enemy lives. And the things I know true in my heart, the things I know true, the things that Jesus has placed there and transformed and made right by the time it gets to my head, jacked up. You hear me? Messed up. And I'm pretty sure some of you people out there suffer from the same thing I do because y'all just like me. Let's be real. Let's be honest. I'm sorry, Stacey. Let's be honest. I can't say let's be real anymore. She said that's not even good. Let's be honest. You suffer from it too. You see, the enemy can't touch our hearts. Our hearts are secure. Our spirit is sealed. At salvation, it is transformed. He places a new heart inside of us, but our mind is not saved. You know by the things you think. Honestly, once again, we know what we think. Our mind's not saved. So if the enemy can take what we know in our heart, the gospel the value of it, the treasure that it is. And by the time it gets to our head, if he can twist it just a little bit, then he's got us where he wants us. He can steer, he can guide, he can pull us to where he wants us to go. I believe that's what Romans is talking about in chapter 12 where it says, do not be conformed to this world, right? But be transformed by what? So you will know what is good and acceptable. When our mind is not focused on the things of Jesus, when our mind is not grounded in the gospel of Christ, the enemy can penetrate it and mess us up. And that's exactly what he's been doing in me. That's exactly what he has been doing with me. I've lost sight of who I am in Christ. And I've allowed things to happen and allowed things to penetrate my head where it's got me in a, in a messed up place. I wasn't guarding what I had been entrusted with. And the enemy knew it. But because he is a good father, because he loves his kids, and because his gospel still rings true today, he has taken those doubts, he has taken those fears, he has taken those worries, and he has put them back at the cross where they need to be. He is doing something once again for me that I can't do for myself, and that is show me the gospel. Taking a load off of me that I can't handle, that I was never meant to handle, that's the gospel. So it wasn't just a one time I got saved, amen, walk an aisle, go to the house thing. It is an every day, every moment, every time I open my eyes, transformation that is still taking place. And he did the same thing for you. And Timothy and Paul knew this. Even unto death, they believed it. They believed it. You see, we've been saved to so much more. We are his workmanship. We are his hands, his feet, his voice, a called out people. Man, set aside, holy and blameless, Ephesians 1. Read it. Believe it. Sealed. Predestined. All the heavenly blessings we got. And we don't deserve none of them, but because of Jesus, we have them. This is the gospel. A called out people. 
with all the power, with the spirit living inside of us to do exactly what Jesus has called us to do. To be his people. Not to get more. Don't Please don't hear me wrong here. Like, oh, I just go do more and I can get more. No, but because of what we've been given. The gospel. Guys, this application of the gospel should be a natural thing. And if our mind is where it's supposed to be, focused on the things of Jesus, it will be. It's proved all over Scripture that transformation was not a one-time thing. These people that were transformed lived a life in grace because of Jesus. It was a natural reaction. They didn't have to work at it. They didn't have to work to perfect the application of the gospel. It just happened. Guys, we got the same spirit. So what's the deal? What's the deal? Do we not believe it? If we believe this is truth, and I know we do, then we have to believe in the power of the gospel over our lives right now. That it is so much more than just an amen. So much more than fire insurance saving us from hell. So much more than we give it credit for. The gospel is a life that does not stop when we say amen on Sundays. The gospel is designed to help us work through the sickness and the drama and the persecution and the trials and the worries and the marriages. The pain of life, the things that come at us, the gospel is meant to carry us through these things onto something bigger and greater than we can even possibly imagine. It says he is working all things out for his glory and our good. That is the gospel. These life events, whether chosen or not, that are chipping away at us, man, these same things happened to these saints of old. And they went to their death proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ. We got the same spirit, the same gospel, the same Jesus living inside of each and every one of us, and this is treasure. This is more valuable than anything you could ever possibly possess. This is way cooler than any bow or gun that anybody could have to kill stuff with. And believe me, that stuff's pretty cool. Jesus, guys. Jesus. See, Paul knew the gospel. Timothy learned it, and they knew how valuable it was. And as they closed their eyes here on earth, they were opened to a magnificent sight in heaven, a promise that was fulfilled in their lives. But even if they believed exactly who they were in Jesus because of what Jesus has done. Now, I know today that we don't face stonings or you know, anything like that. We could possibly one of these days, but we do face stuff. And while it may look a little different than it did back there, it's nonetheless any less powerful. And these things, when allowed to penetrate our minds, will destroy us. But I'm here to encourage you today. You see, Paul was always encouraging this brother Timothy because he loved him so much and he wanted to see him have his fullest in Jesus. I'm here to encourage you guys today, man. Guard what has been given to you. Don't take it for granted. Don't lose sight of the cross. Don't let your guard down because Satan's like a roaring lion. And we know how lions work, man. They just circle around until somebody doesn't pay attention to what's going on. And then what they do? Too late then. Pounce. He's patient. Keep your guard up. Stay sober. Stay vigilant. Don't become a victim of the gap theory. 
Allow the things that you know to be true in your heart. These things of Jesus, this gospel, this stuff that we talk about all the time. Allow this to transform your mind as well. So you won't be conformed to the patterns of this world. And realize it's more than showing up for church. I I'm, love it. I w I'm glad everybody is here. But it doesn't stop here. And these walls does not contain what the gospel is doing in your life. Let these truths, man, just continue to transform you and fight the good fight of faith. Hold fast to Jesus. Hold fast to his strength in times of weakness and his sureness in times of doubt. And as Joshua clearly spoke to the Hebrew people, choose this day whom you're going to serve. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve all these little gods? You're going to stay focused on the cross or you're going to get caught up on all this stuff going on around you? Choose for yourself this day, this Sunday, right now, who you're going to serve. Pick a side. And then what is Joshua going to say? But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Guys, we've been given so much. We've been given so much. The gospel is so rich, and it is so fulfilling, and it is so satisfying. And if we allowed that to transform our minds, imagine what it would look like. Imagine what it would look like. So I'm here to encourage you today. Guard what has been entrusted to you. The same faith, the same spirit, the same Jesus that these saints of old died for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. And God, I could stand up here for two weeks and say how thankful I am for what you've given me and it wouldn't be enough. But Jesus, thank you. Father, for dying for somebody like me. Father, thank you for pulling me out of the pit that, that I found myself in and, and dusting me off and saying, let's go. Father, thank you for every soul in this place that you have purchased. God, I pray that you open our eyes to the gospel of your son. Show us how much has been given. Father, show us how much has been given. Father, I allow that to just transform our lives into, into what you desire them to be. Jesus, no more playing church. No more Jesus inconvenience. But, Father, a life change allowed by the grace and mercy available to us through the offer after Jesus' accomplishment on the cross. God, show us just how deep this gospel is. Change hearts in here tonight. Today, Jesus, I pray it. Help us to guard what you have given us and to treat it as a treasure it is. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.